4, verses 15 through 17. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left in Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and, once and again, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. One of the main hindrances to our living the best possible life that we can right now, to living the abundant life that Jesus promised to his followers, is the problem of self-centeredness. Everybody in this world pretty much comprises one of two categories. We're either givers or we're takers. We're either looking for opportunities to be able to benefit and bless the lives of others by those things that we might do, the gifts that we may offer to them, the time that we may spend with them. Or we're looking for opportunities for other people to do that for us, to bless our lives, to garner our, our, the, the attention that, that we feel should be focused upon us. And we need to be very careful in, in the spiritual arena as well that we also look at the kingdom of Christ that way. That is, that we're not looking for a church that will serve my needs. I'm looking for an opportunity. I'm looking for a church where I can be used so that I can use the gifts that God has given me to be able to make sure that his kingdom grows and the borders of that kingdom expand. But the problem is, as long as we're focused on what we want, what we need, we will never, ever experience the very best that God has in mind for his people. But if we want to thrive, if we want to grow spiritually, if we want to move closer to the image of Christ day by day, then we just have to learn how to be givers. The scripture says, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. We looked at that passage a little bit this morning in Galatians 6 and verse 7. And I think that there's just, I mean, volumes of information and edification in that one verse. Because it really is true. All of life is sowing and reaping. We reap what we sow, we reap later than we sow, and we always reap more than we sow. And I think those are three central lessons that can be gleaned from Galatians 6 and verse 7. All through the Bible, though, we see this principle of sowing and reaping. This is not just a New Testament phenomenon. Even in the Old Testament, God would have his people to know that in order to be able to reap the harvest that they were looking for, that they were anticipating, that they were desiring, they had to make sure that the right kind of seed was put in the ground first. You can't just sit in your recliner and expect God to bless your life. You've got to put some seed in the ground. And so that principle is worthy of both Old and New Testament. Just as a farmer has to plant some seed if he hopes to reap a harvest, then also God's people must plant some good seed in the fields of our, of our families, our, our careers, our businesses, and certainly in our personal relationships. What if a farmer decided one day that he was tired of it all? And, you know, it might be a day like this where it's triple digits and we haven't had rain in who knows how long. And he just decided that it wasn't worth it anymore, not worth the effort, not worth the expense, and, and that, that he was tired. So he felt that maybe I can just sit around and hope, just hope, that my harvest will come in. Well, you and I know, even without an agricultural degree, that if he's got that kind of attitude toward farming then he's going to be waiting around for the rest of his life. Unless he puts some seed in the ground, there's never going to be any kind of harvest. There is no potential for growth. There's no potential for, for the seed to germinate unless it is first planted in the ground. So he needs to get that seed in the ground if he wants a harvest. That's the principle that God established as far back as creation week. 
And in the same way, if we in our Christian lives, all these years later, want to reap good things, then we need to make sure that we are sowing some good seeds. We did notice when we mentioned that passage this morning in the lesson that there's two sides to the coin. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So Paul is realistic in the application of that principle. He knows that there are good seed that we can plant and then anticipate a good harvest, a pleasing harvest. But there are also the wrong kinds of seed, the wrong kinds of choices and decisions that we can make in our lives. Then and only then can we anticipate the wrong kind of harvest. So Paul says, you got to realize that there's two poles. There's a negative and a positive with that particular spiritual battery. Notice the passage says, in particular... And I want to emphasize one word in that passage very quickly, that we reap what we sow. If you want, if you want to reap happiness, if you want a measure of joy in your life, then you've got to put some seed in the ground. And here's what I mean by that. You've got to do something to help other people be happy, to have some joy in their lives. I can't just sit and go, why doesn't God allow me to be happier than I am at the present moment? Well, are you putting any seed in the ground? So if I want to plant some, if I'll plant some happiness seed, then I'm going to have more joy in my own life. And I'm also going to benefit the lives of others because I'm interested in helping to bring joy into their lives as well. If you want to reap financial blessings, then you need to sow some financial seeds in the lives of others. If you want to reap friendships, you just can't sit alone in your room at home. You've got to go out and put yourself in a position where you can be a friend to other people. You see, the the title of this lesson is also the thesis of this lesson. The seed always has to lead. I'm going to say that one more time. The seed always has to lead. That in any area of life, whether it's academically, whether it's with our businesses, whether it's with our personal relationships, we've always got to get seed in the ground before you can anticipate the right kind of harvest. The reason many people are not growing is because they aren't sowing. They're living self-centered lives. And unless they change their focus and they start reaching out to others, then sadly, in all likelihood, they will remain in that condition. You see, the Bible really gives us some wonderful insight into the human psyche. The Bible was not intended to be a manual, a textbook on psychology. But God is the one who created us. He wired us. He knows how we think and he knows how we ought to think. He knows what motivates us. He knows what will bring out the best in us. And in the terms of human psychology, we understand that that's the way things work in life. If I want the right consequent, the right result, I've got to make sure that I'm doing the things that are necessary to bring about that result. Again, that's just the the whole principle of sowing and reaping in a nutshell. But some people still say, well, I've got problems. In fact, I can't tell you how many conversations that I've had over the years along these lines. Somebody says, yeah, you talk about how insightful the Bible is, and how that Jesus told his disciples in the first century, and he's still telling us 2,000 years later, that in the kingdom of Christ, the way up is down, that if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you must become the servant of all. And so in order to be that kind of servant, you've got to put yourself out there and have a servant's heart and be willing to meet the needs of other people and not focus so much on yours. Sometimes people will respond like this, but you don't understand how many problems I've got. I don't really care about sowing seeds. I want to know how to get out of my mess. Have you ever had a conversation like that with someone? Let me tell you what, folks. 
This is the way you get out of your mess. You stop focusing on the mess and you start focusing on the blessing that you can be in the lives of others. In doing that, you're putting the right kind of seed in the ground and you will bring about the right kind of harvest. If you want God to solve your problems, then help somebody else solve their problems. Set another way, get some seed in the ground. Now let's illustrate that biblically. In Bible times, the record says that a great famine struck the land of Canaan. People didn't have any food or water. They were in desperate need. This famine had gone on for some time. So we're not talking about, okay, we're going to have to rely on what's in the pantry at home. No, the pantry had already been depleted. They were in a bad, bad situation. Here's what Isaac did. I'm not making this up. This is Genesis 26 and verse 12, if you would like to check it for yourself. And to me, this is one of those passages that, that if we're not careful, we'll just kind of look over it and we go, well, that's interesting, and look at it more from a his, uh, historical perspective than from one that, uh, that needs personal application. Isaac did something that people without any insight would have thought was rather odd, maybe even foolish. Here's what the Bible says, Genesis 26, verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Now remember the backstory. They are in the middle of a desperate famine. Haven't had anything to eat. It's been a while. In that land he sowed and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. That last statement is almost unnecessary, isn't it? If he is reaping a hundredfold of what he put in the ground, I would say that the Lord has blessed him. That would be a fair assessment of that situation. But I, I hope we really understood and appreciated the thrust of that text. In his time of need, in the time of need for his people, Isaac did not wait around. He did not expect somebody to come across the horizon and, and rescue him without any effort on his part. He acted in faith, and what did he do? He put some seed in the ground. And he reaped a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now he rose up in the middle of a famine and sowed a seed. God then multiplied that seed, brought him out of his need. Again, that's an Old Testament illustration. But we're serving the same God. And I hope that we appreciate that that principle still applies in our lives today. Maybe you're in some kind of famine today. It's not one like Isaac was, was dealing with. It could be a financial famine. You may have too much month left over at the end of the paycheck, if you know what I mean. Maybe you're famished for friends. Maybe you're lonely at this point in your life. It's possible that you have physical or health needs. Maybe you need peace in your home. There are a lot of homes that are in turmoil right now as we're sitting here tonight. Maybe your home is one of those. And so you're praying every day that peace will reign in your home. Whatever the need is, one of the best things that you can do is to get your mind off yourself and help other people meet their needs. If you're down and discouraged today, don't sit around feeling sorry for yourself. Throwing yourself a pity party will not help at all. Go find somebody that you can cheer up and encourage. Sow some seeds of happiness, and that's the way to receive a wonderful harvest. Again, because the principle is still in place. The seed always has to lead. Here's how that dynamic works. When you meet other people's needs, God has promised that he will always make sure that your needs are supplied. Now, Mia also, 
engage a couple of parameters, qualifiers on that. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything that you want will come about in your life, and it may not necessarily come about exactly when you want it. But God has given us that, pro- that promise, if we will have that kind of perspective on life, that worldview, that is that God has put me here to be of service and to help and to bless other people and not just look after my own selfish interest, that God is going to bless me accordingly. I, I remember reading many, many years ago, Zig Ziglar's See You at the Top, And I think it was in the opening chapter of his book that he said something along the lines of, and it caught my attention because even though he didn't have a scriptural reference for it, it certainly is Bible-based. He said, you can have anything that you want in life if you will help enough other people get what they want in life first. And so the first priority that you need to have in your business, in your home, whatever, is to help other people to meet their needs first, even above your own. And that sounds like Bible, doesn't it? If you want to see physical restoration come into your life, then then help someone else to get well. If not, at least encourage them as they're going through that particular illness. The Bible says in Psalm 37 and verse 1, In times of difficulty, trust in the Lord and do good. Did you see the two-step process? It isn't just trust in the Lord. That's one thing for us to be able to, in a time of difficulty, be able to do. We might say, I'm doing well just to trust in the Lord. But the other part of it is, not only trust in the Lord, but now do something about it. Put some seed in the ground. Don't just sit waiting for the Lord Lord to bless you or to reverse your circumstances. It's not enough to say, God, I trust you. I know you're going to meet all of my needs. That's tantamount to the father, the farmer, not planting any seed and then expecting a, a fabulous harvest. Scripture says there are two things that we need to do in times of trouble. I don't want us to miss this. First, trust in the Lord. Second, we must go out and do something good. Go out and start planting some seed. If you need a financial blessing, plant some seed in the hearts and the lives of others. You you might be able to help someone who has a financial need of their own. If not, maybe you can buy someone a meal or at least a cup of coffee. Raise your contribution down at church. Put some financial seeds in the ground. And I hope you see where I'm going with this. And and if you don't have any money, then do some manual work for somebody. Mow somebody's lawn. Pull some weeds. Wash some windows. Make somebody a pie. Do something. Do something to get some seed in the ground. And if you're lonely and lacking in friends, whatever you do, don't sit in the quietness of your room month after month all alone feeling sorry for yourself. Go to the nursing home. Find someone else that you can befriend. Go to the hospital. Find someone that you can cheer up. And if you've looked at our bulletin or if you were in the prayer session a few minutes ago, you know that this congregation is just, uh, there's so many people who have needs of a very real nature. If you start sowing those kinds of seeds of friendship, God will bring somebody into your life who will be your friend guaranteed. And when you make the effort to make other people happy, God will make sure that your life is filled with joy. So what I'm saying is we need to be more seed-oriented and less need-oriented. And by that I mean the needs in our own lives. If in your time of need, don't sit around thinking about what you lack. Don't sit around thinking about all of your burdens and all of the woes that you're experiencing in life. Think about what kind of seed that you can sow that God can bless and then get you out of that need. What we're saying is plant some seed. There's an intriguing scripture 
And it's Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24-25, if you'd like to look at it yourself. In fact, I'd encourage you to turn there. And look at those two verses for just a moment. Solomon was the wisest mortal, at least in his generation. And obviously in the Proverbs, many of which he wrote, he said some mighty wise things. And Proverbs chapter 11, 24-25 is one of those things. I think this is, is a tremendously intriguing passage of Scripture. Here's what Solomon says. There is one who scatters... That just means he gives away. Whatever it is he has, immediately it's a, probably a better word here would be he distributes. And so he scatters abroad and yet increases more. So whatever comes into his wallet, let's say, he is immediately sharing and distributing that around. And yet still he is increasing more, Solomon says. And there is one who withholds more than is right. That is, he's a hoarder. He keeps those things to himself. He doesn't ever bless anyone else financially. If he gets it in his wallet, it's going to stay there. But then Solomon says, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered by himself. What goes around comes around is what Solomon is saying in a very real way. Why can't we get a grasp the, the import of that passage in our day? It's so important. The same Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1, You cast your bread upon the waters, they will return to you after many days. Again, what goes around comes around. You can only share for so long. People then will begin sharing with you. What we're saying is plant some seed. We need to all understand that this is a biblical dynamic that isn't limited to the dispensation in which it was written. This still works today. And here's the principle. If you spend your time and even your finances taking care of the needs of others, then God's going to take care of your needs. Here it is said another way. If you focus on giving generously to others, God will make sure that your own life is refreshed, even if you have to go through a dry, dreary wilderness before you get to that point. I heard about a fellow named Dan, whose beautiful wife of many years passed away after an extended illness. Some of you have been there. Some of you have been there very, very recently. You can appreciate what this man was experiencing. I mean, there was a hole in his heart left by the loss of his precious wife that you can't even begin to describe with human language. Dan could have sat at home and felt sorry for himself. He could have spent the rest of his time commiserating over his loneliness but that wasn't his attitude. What Dan did was start thinking about other people who've experienced that same kind of loss. And so rather than focusing on his own problems and his deep heartache, Dan started showing up at funerals. And sometimes even funerals where there was no particular connection between Dan and this, this family. But, but he went to the funeral simply to be an encouragement to other people, to show them love and compassion. Because his attitude was, I have been there and I know to some degree what, what you're going through. And I want to be able to use that experience to be a blessing in the lives of other people. What a, what a refreshing attitude toward life and toward Christian service. And as he began, as he began to meet other people's needs... God began to turn Dan's situation around. And he not only came through that difficult period of grief, not that he would ever get over it, but the worst of it passed. And then a beautiful Christian woman came into his life, and Dan has been married to this Christian lady for a number of years now. God, God can do something similar for each of us. If you'll dare to sow a seed in your time of need, 
God will do more for you than you could ever ask or think. That's his promise. Ephesians 3.20 and a lot of other places it's stated similarly in, in Scripture. We all need to rely on this principle in our lives. When we're tempted to feel discouraged, when we're tempted to feel sorry for ourselves, we just turn our attention away for ourselves and we go help somebody else. Go to the hospital, go to a shut-in's house, visit or maybe keep a stack of prayer requests close by so that you can constantly be praying for people who have very real needs. Now granted, the temptation, the temptation to be selfish is strong. I, I really believe that our default setting, I don't know if we came out of the womb this way, but our default setting is to be self-centered. It's to think, hey, if I don't care, take care of myself, nobody else is going to. That's not what Scripture says. It says it's just the opposite. We've got to overcome that. If, if it is a default setting, whatever the setting is, we've got to overcome that and start thinking in terms of helping other people and being a blessing to their lives. So there are a lot of good people get sucked into the trap of living with the attitude of what's in it for me? What have you done for me lately? How can you help me? I'm hurting as much as you are. How can you help make my life better? How can you solve my problems? Our attitude, Scripture says, ought to be just the opposite. We should, we should be saying, who can I bless today? Where is a need that I can meet? Who can I encourage? Who is it that, that needs cheered up that I can be an encouragement to? Because if you keep on planting that kind of seed each day in your life, you'll have God's personal guarantee that your harvest will come, come through in a very big way. What I'm saying is do something out of the ordinary. Maybe even do something that, that's not in your particular comfort zone. I love the story of a preacher who when somebody told him on Sunday, I sure like that tie you wore last Sunday, boxed it up and sent it to him. He thought that's just an opportunity that's too good to pass up. So they, they complimented his tie, he gave it to them. Now, now that can be taken to extreme, by the way, especially if you're on the receiving end of it. You, you don't just walk up to somebody and go, by the way, I like your car. <laughs> or I really like your house. And, no, that's cheating, but, but you still, you see what I mean. You may not be able to or even want to do something like that. But you can still do what you can with what you have where you are. Whatever blessings that we have, no matter how limited, we can share with others and be a blessing in their lives. Give somebody a ride. Give somebody a call. Email them to encourage them. Go to the grocery store for that elderly person. You can do something. And in doing that, you learn to stretch your faith by doing something out of the ordinary that you're not accustomed to doing. Because don't forget the principle that we're discussing tonight. If you want an extraordinary harvest, you have to sow some extraordinary seed. Instead of sitting at home and watching TV every night, why not spend some time doing some good for somebody that really needs it? Instead of going out and eating at that expensive restaurant, why not decide to take the money that you would spend in that restaurant and, and use it for some good, maybe to help someone or to help one of the ministries that we support here? Instead of, of, of doing that, think in terms of how can I be a blessing to others? Because if you normally give 10% of your income to the Lord's work, why not, why not just consider stretching yourself and give 11% or 12 or maybe 15 Get a little more seed in the ground and watch God work in your life. I dare you. It's a challenge. The scripture says in Luke 6, 38, this has got to be one of the greatest verses in the entire Bible. And I'm just going to read part of it. This is the payoff of Luke 6, 38. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you again. Folks, there is dynamite in that passage. Give and it shall be given to you is what the first part of the verse says. 
pressed down, running over, shaken together, these, these things will be given back to your bosom, for with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you again. That's just Jesus Christ telling his people, listen, when you look around and you see the needs of other people, if you give to them, you bless them in a teaspoon, you're going to get back in a teaspoon. But if you give out to other people and bless their lives with a snow shovel, you're going to be blessed with a snow shovel. If you give out in a dump truck, you are going to get dump trucks of blessings poured out in your life. That's what Luke 6, 38 is all about. And remember, that's Bible, not Randy. The Bible clearly says, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows plentifully will also reap plentifully. And we all know that those passages are in the Bible. But when it comes to real, where the rubber hits the road in the practical application of our lives, we think, well, that principle won't work for me. No, the Bible clearly says that that's true. Whatever it is that you're, you're measuring out, that's how it's going to be measured back to you. So if you're not satisfied with where you are in life, then just increase the amount of seed that you're sowing. The size of your harvest depends on the amount of the seed. Heard about a preacher and his wife who were at a hotel eating breakfast one morning. They were being served by a very nice and polite young man as their primary server. And when he brought their check to the table, the preacher opened it and found a note that just said, thank you. That server had paid for their meal. Well, the first thought that went through their mind was, oh my, that's so nice of him. But he's just a young man and probably not making more than minimum wage if he's, if he's waiting on tables. And so he needs that money a whole lot more than we do. We ought to tell him that and correct this situation. Besides that, their breakfast was included with the price of their room. All they had to do was just sign the ticket and, and it would have already been paid for. So he and his wife sat at the table and for a few moments they discussed very quietly what, what we ought to do. She said, hon, don't you think that we ought to tell him so maybe he can get his money back? And her husband said, well, we could. But I really don't think we should. Even though we want to do that and we certainly could do that, we can't rob him of his blessing. He put some seed in the ground when he paid for our breakfast. The last thing we need to do is to pull that seed up out of the ground and hand it back to him. That would be per, per, uh, depriving him of a blessing in his life. We'd be doing him a disservice. And although they knew that young man probably needed that money, they also knew that when he planted that seed in the ground, that God would bless him for his sacrifice. So that's what they did. They just let him do it. And they bowed their heads and quietly said a prayer that God would bless his life. Lest you think that this principle isn't biblical, let me prove otherwise once and forevermore before we quit tonight. Philippians 4, 16 and 17. Joy read it a moment ago. Look at it again. For even in Thessalonica, Paul writes, writing to the Philippian congregation, of course, even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again to my necessities. Now, let's appreciate the premise. The Philippian congregation was a liberal, generous, giving church. They heard about Paul's physical, material needs. And Paul said, you didn't just send to my to, my, to meet my need, to address my need once. You did it more than once. You did it on several occasions. Notice what he says then in verse 17, not that I seek the gift. That is, I'm not even mentioning this because I want more from you 
or because I want to focus on what you have already given to me. But I seek, here's the payoff, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That is, the Philippian congregation blessed the life of Paul by giving and addressing his need. But Paul says, I hope that every one of you, good brothers and sisters in Christ, also appreciate that you are blessed by giving. We really are. It really is more blessed to give than receive, our Lord said. In fact, on one occasion, he said, anyone who gives a cup of cold water in my name shall in no wise lose his reward. That's Matthew 10, 42. So I'm not just talking about what you give to the Lord on Sunday morning when the collection plate comes by. If you're not sowing there at all, man, that is a wonderful place to begin. Primarily, I'm talking about giving over and above what we would put in the contribution plate on Sunday. That's when the real blessings start to kick in. The more sacrificial the giving, the more seed we put in the ground, the greater the harvest will be. And if you're thinking, Randy, I can't afford to give, not with all my financial commitments, let me tell you something. You cannot afford not to give. You're really hurting yourself if you're not getting some seed in the ground. On the other hand, you can't rob God and bless, expect him to bless you at the same time. We need to realize that God does not personally need our time, our talents, or our money. God, God isn't bereft in those ways. He's doing okay without them. When God asks us to give, it's not because he's trying to get something from us with some kind of mercenary motive. It's because he's trying to get us to put some seed in the ground so that he can bless us and so that we can reap a wonderful harvest. God himself abides by the laws that he has set up in this universe that he has created. And if you and I don't sow, then we're not going to reap. It's as simple as that. But if you're faithful and you do what God tells you to do, then God will honor the law of sowing and reaping. You may not have a lot to share with others, but God will bless you if you start right where you are. And don't wait, as we talked about this morning, don't wait until you have more. You need to start right now. The scriptures are not at all ambiguous about this matter. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3 and verse 6. Another version of that reads like this, in everything you do, you put God first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success and then God has personally signed that check waiting for you to deposit it here it is in a nutshell when in your activities on a day-to-day basis you do those things to bless others and to honor God God will in turn bless you and honor you and it's interesting the only place in the Bible where God tells us to prove him that is, to put him to the test, to check him out, is in the area of our finances. You see, this principle works with the giving of our lives. When you give your life in service to God and others, you're going to get it back with interest. I imagine the disciples, in the context of Matthew 16, had some doubt about what Jesus meant with the statement that I'm going to end this lesson with tonight. And I imagine that there are still some disciples 2,000 years later who wrestle with exactly what he meant when he said this. But this encapsulates the Christian life. This is the kind of sowing and reaping that God wants every Christian to experience in their lives on a daily basis. Here's what he said. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, 
and follow me. Now here's, here's the real challenge. For he who desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That brings us full circle to the statement that we made at the beginning. We're either givers or takers. And the Lord said, if you really want to find your life, you got to give it up. you got to lose it. you got to sacrifice it to me and to my cause and in my service. But if you take the world's perspective on that and you say, it's my life, I'm going to use it however I will. I'm only interested in my selfish ambitions and aspirations. Then Jesus says, in that moment of decision, you have officially lost your life. You don't know what life is all about. Tonight I'm telling you that the way to find true happiness and joy in life, to find true meaning and fulfillment. Solomon knew this. If you've read Ecclesiastes, you know that to be true. To be able to find that meaning and purpose in life is to decide to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And so that's, that's why we sing this song in just a moment. To encourage you to make that decision in your life. To commit your entire life and everything you are and everything that you have to the Lord Jesus Christ. In faith, repent of your past sins, confess his name as God's son and be baptized to start your life over again tonight. And in doing that, you will find your life. While we stand and while we sing.